found my focus soon as you came into view Highlight and expose the way I think of you Now it's clear as day just what I need to do Start just give it all that you got Hi guys, I hope you're well. Welcome back to the pod. It's Shoot Your Shot and we're back here on Monday. Today's episode is going to be a really important one, one that I'm actually kind of surprised that we've not discussed beforehand. Today's episode is going to be all about contracts, the importance of them, especially what I include in my contract. It's going to be revolving more around weddings because obviously that's what I specialize in. So we're going to be talking about wedding contracts and I'm actually quite surprised that a decent amount of photographers that I'm connected with actually don't have proper contracts in place. Just before we get into the episode itself, I do want to say nothing on this episode is going to be from a legal standpoint. It's just going to be the importance of contracts and it's going to be certain points that I feel are quite vital to have within your contract. In terms of legalizing your contract, I would probably suggest write these points down, include some points for your contract that you feel are relevant to you and bring those points to like a solicitor into a legal term for you and create your official legal contract. These are just going to be some points that I feel that are necessary to have within your contract in order to protect yourself. There's no legal advice here. Okay, so firstly, I want to discuss the importance of contracts. I think contracts are so vital, especially these days, because it will protect you in unfortunate circumstances that you might find yourself in. And it also protects the client. In six years of having my contract, no one has ever complained about actually signing the contract. So it's not a case of that clients or potential clients are put off by contract. And if they are, personally, that in itself is a red flag for me. Why is there an issue in signing this contract? If there's certain particular points that you feel that you don't agree with, that's fine. We can discuss those and the reasoning behind them. But if you just don't want to sign the contract because you don't want to be in a contract with me, that is a red flag for me and I would not take that kind of booking. So the importance of contract is 100% there to protect you and protect the client. And like I said, all of my clients that I've had over the years, I've never had one that has complained or not wanted to sign a contract. So there's no real reason for you not to have a legally binding contract in place. You have to have one as a professional photographer. Contracts will serve as a guideline for your clients as well. They will outline how you work and how you expect to be treated, how you expect to work with your client and what they can expect from you as well. So in that sense, there's a certain degree of transparency there because I generally tend to give my contract out to any potential clients before any money is exchanged. So before I take a deposit down for the wedding that 
the potential client is looking to book me for, I will send over my contract, ask them to take a good read of it, make sure that they're happy, sign it and send a copy back to me. Once that's done, that's when money is exchanged, but not prior to that, because I want to make sure that my clients are happy with what they are getting into with me. And once they are, we can then exchange money because I like to be completely transparent with my clients. There's nothing that I want to hide from them. So I will send this contract. And like I said, my contract serves as a guideline to my clients of how I'm going to work for you, what you can expect from me, but then in return, what I also expect from you as a client as well, and what I need from you in order to achieve the type of pictures and the type of images that you want. Another interesting point that the contract can serve as is you can refer back to it and have all the information that you need all in one place. So my contract has a form right at the front as well and outlines all the dates, the times that I'm required to be there. It will outline the locations that I'm expected to be at. It will outline the type of event it is, whether it's a religious ceremony, whether it's a civil ceremony, are we doing a reception, what type of event it is. So it will also give me addresses. So I ask my clients to put the addresses that I'm expected to be at as well. So it starts off as a contact form and then goes into the agreement that me and that potential client are entering into. That's another useful purpose of having a contract. You have all those details in one place. So getting into this episode then, one of the major points that pretty much all photographers have is a section for deposits. This is a really important section because one, you will let your client know whether your deposit is going to be refundable, partially refundable or not refundable whatsoever. It will also outline how much of a deposit you require. So some photographers tend to take a 10% deposit, some photographers tend to take a 25% and others take a 50% deposit. 50% deposit is probably the most common percentage that's taken that I'm aware of, but it is at the end of the day, your contract. So you can take whatever percentage you feel is right for you. And the importance of taking a certain percentage is that it should cover one, you being booked for that day. Secondly, for all the admin that you're going to be doing with that client. So for example, you will be contacting that client regarding timings and any kind of admin that you need to do between yourself and that client in order to figure out the details of their special day. So that's what the deposit I would recommend is there to be covered for. It also covers things like, for example, any last minute changes that you as a photographer may or may not agree with. So for example, they may want to change the date. Now, if they've looked to change the date after they've signed your contract and paid you a deposit, you may have declined other bookings for that date that they were initially booked in for. So you could potentially say, look, it's not possible because I have now lost earnings such and such. They may want to cancel the wedding altogether, which again is something that that the deposit that you take should cover or at least partially cover. And linking on to that, another point that I wanted to kind of get into was what would happen if your client decides to cancel their wedding 
you have a few options as a photographer. On the one, you could refund them and say to them, look, that's fine, no problem. The other thing that you can put into your contract is because of your loss of earnings now and because you've declined bookings, which you may have done, unfortunately, that deposit is now non-refundable. It may also be a case of where you feel, right, I will partially refund your deposit fee. However, because of the amount of admin work that I've done since you've booked me and up to this point where you've cancelled, I will be taking a certain cut of that deposit and that will remain non-refundable. So these kind of things are things that you need to clarify within your contract and explain to the client as well. And if they have any questions, again, they need to be addressed. I would always suggest that those questions are addressed via writing or via email. That way, there's a correspondence there between you guys, should there be any confusion later on in the future, as a worst case scenario. Another big one that a lot of photographers have added to the contracts, if they do have contracts, is what will happen in the event of a pandemic crisis because of what we've just recently suffered. I myself have added this into my contract and I have put that should we ever suffer another pandemic worldwide crisis again, you have the option to rebook within 12 months or 24 months or however long it may be. That's something for you to decide as a photographer. And as long as I am made aware well in advance, I can get you booked in. However, that is subject to my availability. So it's a case of if there was a worldwide pandemic again, I'm sure that a lot of my brides and a lot of my couples would contact me, which they did in order to reschedule. Now, rescheduling, I need to ensure first person who comes to me and if I'm available for the date, I can confirm them. If you were someone who doesn't come to me straight away, and you want to book me on a date that I'm already booked in with another bride and groom, unfortunately, I'm not available for that date then. Again, your contract then needs to outline what happens in that instance. Do you refund their deposit? Do you not? Do you partially refund? How does it work for you? So these are points that you need to take into consideration, add into your contract and clarify to your couples. Another one that I've come across with a lot of photographers is when are couples expected to pay their final balances? I do know photographers who have taken final balances a month ahead of the wedding. I have had photographer friends who have taken money on the day. I would never suggest that personally because on the day there's so much going on with the couple and with the families. It can often be overlooked and if it's overlooked can turn a little awkward because you were expecting to be paid that day and you've now not been paid. However, you're still doing the work and you've turned up. And the last thing that you want to do is turn up to someone's wedding, a potential client's wedding, and for it to start off on a bad note or an awkward note. So I definitely think taking payment in advance is a good option. And it's something that a lot of photographers, if not all photographers, should do. Whether that's seven days, 14 days, a month in advance, completely up to you guys. I also know photographers who've agreed final balances to be paid after completion of projects. Again, that's not something that I would recommend because there have been instances of people that I know that have taken maybe three months to finish a project. And within those three months, the couple have actually split up. And because they've split up, 
they no longer want those pictures or want the video that you've made for them. And if that's the case, unfortunately, you would have done all of that work as well as the editing for no reason. And you won't be getting paid for that. You can go legal with it if you do have a contract, obviously. However, it just turns into a process that you can potentially avoid just by taking your final balances either upfront or at the absolute latest on the day. And if for any reason that's not done, that's something that has to be addressed there and then. Otherwise, it will turn into an issue. And I have actually seen it turn into an issue for other photographers. So definitely don't leave it up to the point of completion of project. And in connection with that, we have late payment fees. So for example, there are times where clients may not make their payments when they're supposed to. And if that happens, what are your deterrents for that? This is something that your contract should have. I believe your contract should have certain deterrents in there for clients to understand that if we are going to be entering into a contract with this person and they're to provide us with a certain product, we need to comply with their terms and make payments when we are expected to make payments. Um, if you look at sort of mortgages and banks, if you owe any money and you're supposed to make that payment at the end of the month, if you miss that payment, you will incur some form of late payment fees. And I don't see us as photographers any different because we are running a business at the end of the day. That doesn't mean you have to enforce it as a photographer. If there are genuine reasons where a client has missed a payment because they've gotten into difficult circumstances because of the wedding or for whatever reason, that's fine. Treat everyone as a human, but the contract is there just to deter. It doesn't mean that you have to enforce that. If you want to enforce that, you have full right to, but just because you have the right to doesn't mean that you have to use that as well, if that makes sense. So I personally, will have certain deterrents inside of my contract just so clients don't take advantage. But if I can see that there are genuine reasons as to why the client hasn't made a payment and they are in contact with me on a constant basis and let me know, look, it's going to be difficult for me to make this payment. I'm quite an easygoing type of guy. I'm happy to kind of work with the client and figure out when can we make this payment? When can we get you fully booked in? and just figure something out with your clients. And in terms of additional charges, another one can be overtime charges as well, which should be included in your contract. So for example, a lot of the times within my specialty of weddings, a lot of the time weddings do overrun. Now, they can overrun by 20 minutes, they can overrun by three hours. It's all dependent on the day and how well it's run. How smoothly weddings run is down to obviously the families. However, in terms of delays, are there any charges or additional charges on the day that you are going to enforce? So if a wedding is due to finish at 8pm, and it goes until 10, with a contract, and you've outlined, look, per hour, it will be this much on the day that is already made aware of to your client. Whereas, if on the day you mention it, it can be argued about, which is the last thing that you want for yourself as well as your couple because you don't want to put them in a position where they're arguing with you on their wedding day. It's not something that's ideal and it just gives you a bit of a bad name as well. So I would suggest having something in your contract. Otherwise, it can turn into a case of but clients weren't notified. And that kind of leads into my next point of pre-wedding shoots. So 
pre-wedding shoots is something that I've included inside of my contract and the time limits and how I shoot pre-wedding shoots. The way that I do it is I have a certain amount of time. So say, for example, it's an hour. I will ask the clients, look, here's the location or they'll tell me the location. We'll figure out mutually what time suits best. And once we've agreed that, it will be a case of my contract will state if you're late, you may lose time in your pre-wedding shoot or it will cost you such and such going forward. Again, all down to yourselves on how you work. I personally like to work in a way that is more beneficial to my client than detrimental. So, for example, if I have an hour pre-wedding shoot booked in with a client and they turn up 20 minutes late, unfortunately, I won't be doing an hour slot anymore. That would have eaten into your time. You now have 40 minutes remaining. Another thing that you can add into your contract as a deterrent can be, okay, so how long will you as a photographer be expected to wait? Will you be waiting 20 minutes? Will you wait for the whole hour? Will you wait for the whole session? Or what are you expecting? Is the client in constant contact with you? I personally, again, will wait up to 20 minutes if the client is in contact with me. I may wait a little bit longer. Again, you don't have to stick to your contract word for word on certain things. But if I can see that the client is nowhere to be seen or is not in contact with me, I will wait up to 20 minutes. And after that, I will possibly send a message to the client to say, look, we may need to reschedule this because unfortunately, I've been here for 20 minutes without any contact and I now need to leave and we can reschedule this. That is something also leading into another point where if you find yourself in that kind of position, when you reschedule those particular clients who didn't show up to their session, are you going to charge them a rescheduling fee? Or is it going to be a case of you get one chance and after that, unfortunately, you will have to pay for either a rescheduling fee or a complete pre-shoot because loss of earnings again, etc. These are things to take into consideration. Just moving on from that a little bit and going into destination weddings. So I actually have two contracts. One of my contracts is for UK weddings within England. And the other contract is for destination weddings because there are certain things that are a little bit different. Going into destination weddings, there are a decent amount of changes that you have to make to your contract, such as your accommodation, your flights need to be covered, your sustenance you may want to have covered as well. Some photographers choose not to, some photographers do. Where will you be staying? Are you going to be booking your hotel and accommodation or is the couple going to be booking? I am aware of photographers who choose to take that responsibility from the clients just to give them peace of mind and say, look, I will charge you a flat fee of, let's say, £1,500. That will include booking the flights. That will include your accommodation. So that way you can choose where you're staying. That will include possibly sustenance as well, if that's what you choose to do. And you may have additional costs for booking a flight seat, additional costs for baggage, Again, these are things that you may include, you may not include. On the flip side, we have photographers who choose not to do that and allow the couple to book their flights and accommodation. And they will let the couple know that I will need additional 
baggage room because of my equipment and depending on how long that destination shoot is going to be for. And they'll also let them know I need to be staying at the same venue as where the event is taking place or where the couple are staying because you have a lot of equipment and to move it from one hotel to another is a lot of work. So unfortunately, we're not able to do that. So these are, again, things that need to be put into your contract. It may be worthwhile having a separate contract for your destination shoots because there are quite a few changes that are not relevant to your UK weddings, whereas with your destination weddings, they're quite important to have within your contract. Another one that's quite popular is weddings are normally between 8 to 14 hours, depending on the type of event that it is. Are you allowed any breaks and food? That is something that's vital to put into your contract. I personally like to have in my contract, as a photographer, I am allowed a 30-minute break somewhere and some food because that will help me keep going. Working for 14 hours straight is very difficult to do. And in some cases, earlier on in my career, I actually have had 12 to 13 hour weddings where I've not had any break or any food. And that was very difficult to do. So that's something that I implemented into my contract then, because I felt as though it was quite vital to have. And without that, your clients aren't going to be getting the best that they can out of you. And I feel if they are booking you, they need to ensure that you're able to perform at your best. So definitely put that into your contract if you don't have it, because it's really important. In terms of additional charges, there are other things like, say, for example, you don't have any additional charges because the wedding is local to you. However, if you live in London and the wedding is taking place in central London, say, for example, that's 40 minutes away, no problem, that's fine, no travel charges. However, Parking in central London is quite expensive. So again, parking fees, even delivery of images, if you deliver images via USB and you're having to post them out because your couple live in a completely different city, that's three hours away, costs for posting out as well. So any additional costs that are included within your service need to be charged up as well, but they need to be made aware to the client beforehand and let them know that, look, if I have any parking fees, if I have any costs for sending out your final product, these are costs that need to be covered. And as long as the client is made aware, you should be fine. An interesting topic, actually, that not a lot of people take into consideration is whether or not you as a photographer will limit the amount of locations you have to travel to. So again, it may be a case of your wedding is taking place within your city. So I'm in Birmingham. If a wedding is taking place within Birmingham and I'm told where the venue is and I'm told where the bride's house is, that's no problem. That's great. However, some photographers may choose to limit the amount of locations that they travel to. So if they're asked to go to the bride's house first and then straight to the venue, no problem. But then it's a case of some bride and grooms prefer photographers to come back to the groom's house at the end of the day to finish off with any kind of games or rasms that these clients play at the end of the night and for you as a photographer to cover those rasms and rasms by the way means traditions or games that we tend to play as Asians in our Asian weddings 
So sometimes we're asked to do that. If you have a section in your contract that limits you to going to three, maybe four, maybe five different locations, because you probably will be asked to go to a different location if the venue isn't as scenic for a couple shoot during the wedding, you're probably asked to go to the groom's house in the morning because prep shots, bride shots in the morning, prep shots. So the accumulation of locations can amount to a certain degree. So do you choose to put a limit on how many locations you travel to as a photographer or not? I personally have not. However, I will have a conversation with my clients and let them know that. Unfortunately, I can't travel to six different locations throughout the day without having to charge you any travel costs. However, if you have, let's say, two or three, that's no problem. Another interesting point to add to your contract is clients have to cooperate with you in order to attain the desired images that they want. So what that basically means is, should you wish to do a couple shoot and the clients also want to do a couple shoot, that needs to be put into their itinerary. And if it's not, and at the end of the day, you're given, let's say, five minutes to do a couple shoot, the last thing you want to face at the end of it is, why are there not enough images of just us two as a couple? We've done a couple shoot. Now, if you weren't given the time, or if they were problematic clients and were against the suggested poses that you had in mind, or if they weren't comfortable holding hands, or things of that nature. However, at the end of it, once you deliver your project, you receive complaints of certain images weren't captured. This particular section can potentially protect you from having that complaint pushed forward. So I like to have this particular section in my contract where it does state that I need my clients to be working alongside me. And if they want to have certain types of images, one they need to introduce that into their itinerary and give me enough time to capture those types of images. And secondly, I will have a range of poses for my clients and they need to work with me alongside that. And if they feel as though those poses are not comfortable for them, that's no problem. We can work with something else, but I have to be given the time or they can even give me some suggestions as to what they are comfortable with. But that is a conversation that I end up having with my clients. And the first thing I ask them is, what is your comfortability level with your partner? And how far are you happy to go? Are you okay to hold hands? Are you okay to kiss? Are you okay to sort of put your arms around each other? Because generally speaking, as a couple shoot, it normally is just the bridegroom photographer and possibly if there's a videographer present as well other than that it's normally the three or four of us so it is quite private and intimate and we can create stunning images but if a couple aren't happy with it that's no problem we can work with what their comfortability level is but we have to have the time to work with them another interesting point is what type of editing can clients expect from you so this is something that i would say it needs to be added into your contract. The reason being is you as a photographer have a certain style of editing and a certain style of shooting. You shoot in the way that complements your editing style and photographers and potential clients should be able to see the type of editing that you do. So for example, if you are a photographer who edits in a very warm way, 
then your shooting style will be quite, I would imagine, quite happy, quite light, quite fun. I can't imagine quite a serious, however warm, photography style. I mean, I'm sure there are people that maybe do that, but I personally can't see that. But your potential clients will book you based on your type of images that they see on your portfolio, whether it's your Instagram, whether it's your private portfolio that you sent across to them to look at. But that's how it should be booked. However, what happens if your clients, after seeing your images that you've taken of them and the final product, what happens if they want you to re-edit images? This is something to add into your contract. Would you re-edit them? Or is it a case of you can say to your clients that, look, based on the fact that you've booked me, you were able to see how I shoot, how I edit my images. Unfortunately, I can't change my editing style to suit your needs. You booked me based on my style. And this is my style. This is how I shoot and this is how I edit. I personally tend not to change my style of editing because it's something that I've worked quite hard to achieve. The type of editing that I do now is something that I have been working on across 12 months, if not more. And to change that style into, say, for example, someone else's style, and if a potential client sends me images of another photographer and asks me to replicate or mimic someone else's style, Unfortunately for me, that's a no. And that can also be a red flag for me because it's not something that I find very flattering. And if I am having these issues with a client before they've even booked me, so if a client is sending me other people's images and saying, look, I like this editing style, you know, we can work together, but I want this type of editing, which has happened. Unfortunately for me, that's a red flag. And I personally would say, unfortunately, that's not my style. And I would maybe suggest finding a different photographer who replicates that style or has that kind of style of shooting and editing to better suit your needs. So I tend not to change my editing style. However, again, it may be a case of having that within your contract, but maybe saying to them, look, I will edit up to, say, 10 images in the type of style that you're asking, and that's final. It may also be a case of, I will edit in that style for you, no problem. However, I will be charging for the amount of images that you're asking me to edit and I will be charging X amount per image. That's something to take into consideration too. Another big one is ownership of images. This is a massive one and it kind of relates into a whole different range of topics because you as a photographer own those images regardless of what anyone may think. So you have full rights to those images. You can actually post those images without consent. You don't need consent from your clients. You don't need to ask them the type of editing you can or can't do because they are your intellectual property. However, I think out of courtesy, it's always a good idea to figure out if you are or not able to post your images onto social media. I personally tend to figure out whether my couple are comfortable with it or if they're not comfortable with it. Majority of my couples, I would probably say 98% of my couples are happy for me to post their images onto my social media and promote my images. However, it's best to clear that up beforehand. This also can leak into editing styles. So again, because the images are your property and the clients pay for your services, 
and they pay for the images but they don't pay for ownership of the images they are two separate entities so a lot of photographers aren't actually aware of that it's not a conversation it's it's actually legally true you own those images however it's just to outline within your contract that you are the owner of those images and just to reiterate to your clients that please don't add any kind of filters or crop the images up however you see fit because we as photographers firstly were employed because of our expertise and we would greatly appreciate if those expertise were respected because it takes a long time to edit in a particular kind of style and edit an image to the point where it's the best that image can be just to then have a filter thrown all over it and have that image completely ruined but then to top it off have someone tag you in that image it's not a true representation of your work so I tend to outline that in my contract that please the ownership remains with me and I don't allow any kind of filters or enhancing or cropping of my images whatsoever I think that's definitely something to be added and taken note of another vital point to be put into your contract is something there to protect yourself from any form of physical or verbal abuse or harassment these are things that unfortunately do tend to occur and should you find yourself in a position where you're with a troublesome client who is possibly quite demanding and wanting things outside of what you originally agreed and once you enforce your contract and say look this is what was agreed they may become a little harsh towards you or abusive or begin harassing you because they want what they want and unfortunately these circumstances do actually take place I've actually experienced it when I didn't have something like this in my contract and it's not the most nicest thing to experience so I think having something to protect yourself from that is very vital and it's not just from brides and grooms it's from everyone at that wedding you have to have something in your contract to protect yourself from families from guests whoever it may be and what is the deterrent there will you be stopping all services up to the point where that particular individual leaves the wedding will you be terminating the contract will you be leaving the event altogether how will it work for you but you have to have something because there are people unfortunately who will book you and try to take advantage and once you try to enforce your contract they will try to intimidate you or harass you into getting their way and it's quite a negative topic to speak on but it is there and it needs to be addressed and it's definitely something that you should address within the contract and outline to your client any form of abuse or harassment it's not going to be tolerated and these will be the consequences of those actions and another point slightly similar to that is what about any damage to your equipment on the day because there's so many people at weddings people are constantly walking past knocking you walking into your tripod just generally kind of unintentionally knocking into you because you're busy working what are the consequences of your equipment being damaged so say for example someone is standing next to you everyone's having a good time everyone's dancing you're busy taking photos and someone spills a drink all over your camera what happens who is now liable for any damage that's caused to your camera 
is that something that you are going to repair or is that something that is now liable to that particular individual this is something again you have to define within your contract who will be liable for any damage to your equipment accidental or not and when those charges are to be paid for if it's the guest so in my contract i have stated that if anyone causes any damage to my equipment whether accidental or not unfortunately they will have to pay for that equipment and that payment is due to be made within seven days of that actual event so put something into your contract to protect yourself your equipment as well because it's vital without the equipment we can't do anything we can't work and one final point to add into your contracts is what happens if a client provides any false or fraudulent information and by that i don't mean they've given a fake name i mean that is false information but that doesn't impact you as a photographer too much so say for example they initially say to you yes i live in birmingham i live in the same city as you i'm only 20 minutes away and you don't quote them any travel charges on the day of the wedding it turns out they actually live out in manchester and you have to drive to them an hour and a half any kind of false information that does impact you are you able as a photographer then to alter your contract to the point where i will now require additional charges for my travel costs or for you wasting my time or will you terminate the contract completely how will it work for you as a photographer and these are things again which should be addressed within your contract to alleviate any questions later on from your clients that they may ask or they may not even ask that's also partially the reason why to have a contract they address a lot of the questions that clients may have between themselves and don't particularly feel too comfortable asking you so yeah it's a good thing to have contracts in place all of these things are just points to maybe consider and maybe add to your existing contract or if you don't have an existing contract maybe these are points to take on and create a contract for yourself and once you've created a list of points that you want to include approach someone from a legal standpoint and turn it into a legally binding contract but that's it for me today i hope you've enjoyed the episode i hope you were able to take away something from it and i'm looking forward to next week's episode and i look forward to having you guys there too take care guys bye follow my focus soon as you came into view highlight and expose the way i think of you now it's clear as day just what i need to Start, just give it all that you got